come from You don't know where I have been The burden I carried was heavy And I had no peace left within The path that I traveled was hopeless Many times I just lost my way Satan would whisper, there's no way out He told me that too far ahead That was before Jesus stepped in He reached all my past and cleansed all my sin He broke the chains that once held me down He set me free and I'm no longer bound I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in. Do you find yourself hopeless? Do doubt and despair seem your guide? Remember that Jesus still loves you. And he wants to walk by your side His love and his grace can reach deeper Than the pit of despair you are in I know cause I've been where you are now And I've questioned if there was an end That was before Jesus stepped in He reached all my past and cleansed all my sin He broke the chains that once held me down He set me free and I'm no longer bound I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in That was before Jesus stepped in He reached all my past and cleansed all my sin He broke the chains that once held me down He set me free and I'm no longer bound I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in That was before Jesus stepped in He reached all my past and cleansed all my sin He broke the chains that once held me down He set me free and I'm no longer bound I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in I was past hope, but that was before Jesus stepped in. Take your Bibles and turn to Numbers, Numbers chapter 35. 
Numbers chapter 35. We're going to also look in Joshua and Exodus today, but we're going to start out in Numbers 35. We're going to read verses 33 and then back up to verse 11. So when you find that, let's stand together and read. We're talking today about the cities of refuge, and we're going to take a pause in the middle of the message and do a little teaching, and so you'll have to get your pens out and mark your Bibles. We're going to start out reading, and then we'll preach and teach both today. But in Numbers chapter 35, Verse 33, it says this, So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed. goes on to say, but by the blood of him that shed it. So the only way to deal with a murderer was to, to put them to death. Back up to verse 11. Then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither which killeth any person at unawares. That means by accident. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And these cities shall, excuse me, and of these cities which ye shall give, six cities shall ye have for refuge. And ye shall give three cities on this side of Jordan, and three cities shall give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge, both for the children of Israel, and for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. Let's pray. God bless us. Lord, we need you this hour as we need you every hour. I need you, God, for me to be effective in communicating these truths that Jesus Christ is our refuge, and that these cities are a type of our Lord Jesus, a place we can flee, but we have a person as well in the Lord Jesus to flee to for a refuge. Bless now. Hide me behind the cross. Use these words from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The word refuge, if you looked it up in your dictionary, it means freedom from care and doubt and freedom from worry and anxiety and danger and failure and loss, all those different things. And we know our church name is Anchor of Hope. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 says we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope. And who is that hope? The Lord Jesus. And the next verse says we have as an anchor of the soul. Again, talking about Jesus Christ the anchor for our soul, a refuge in our lives. We're so thankful for that. Now, Numbers was a book of counting. And there are some great passages in Numbers. Of course, it's all God's Word. But it is a book that was really about counting the people, and Moses is the author. But here we have, in the middle of Numbers, a section that deals with a, a bunch of cities, cities of refuge. We'll look at those in a few moments over in Joshua. But we know they were important because if someone killed someone by accident, they would be put to death if anybody got a hold of them. And the avenger, maybe a family member, would surely find them and kill them. So they had a place they could flee for a refuge and stand before the elders of the city as Deuteronomy 19.12 said they would stand before elders. Now we know Genesis 9.6 says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. So clearly capital punishment was instituted prior to the law. Now remember, Genesis 1 through Exodus 19 was given before the law. Abraham lived by faith just like we do. So we take a lot of our human government from those portions of Scripture. Also, the home is clearly laid out. A man and a wife, 
be one in Genesis and, of course, Exodus. Those two books give us a lot of great practical stuff. Then the law is instituted. And once again, capital punishment is restated in the law. And in Exodus chapter 21, it says, He that smiteth a man so that he die shall surely be put to death. But Moses said, If a man lie if a man lie not in wait, in other words, doesn't premeditate it, I will appoint thee a place. But if a man comes presumptuously on his neighbor, meaning premeditated, he shall die. So clearly capital punishment was instituted before the law. It's part of the law. I believe it should be applied to today as well. There were guidances and standards that went along with it. There had to be witnesses and all that. But clearly capital punishment was something that was instituted. Now, if someone killed someone by accident, they had a place, a refuge to flee to. And, and we'll look at that in a moment. But we know that this was really uh, a place to flee. These cities were a place to flee to get away from being judged. And they were fortified cities. And there were six of them. Three were on one side of Canaan. They were all elevated places. And three were across the Jordan in what we know today as the Jordan Valley, the Jordan area. And of course, Jordan really should belong to Israel. I don't believe this bunch of malarkey about a two-state solution. God gave the land to Israel. That's what the Bible says. That's where we stand. But anyway, there were three on either side. The three on the uh, other side of Jordan were in the plains of Jordan, weren't elevated like the three that are in Israel. But we have so many scriptures that we're going to look at today. But I love the hymns, Martin Luther uh, the great hymn of the Reformation was A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A very slow song by today's standards, but it was a really powerful hymn at that time. And then Moody's song leader, Ira Sankey, based on uh, the 61st Psalm, I believe, or no, the 31st Psalm, A Shelter in the Time of Storm is another great hymn, a little faster. Another great hymn about fortresses, fortresses, excuse me, and a refuge place and all that. Great hymns. But we know that these, these cities, if you look at verse 11, they were a special cities. And first of all, we want to point out that these were appointed, appointed cities. Look at verse 11. Then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you. Did you know God appointed Jesus as a refuge? Remember that everything in the Old Testament is a type and points ahead to Jesus Christ and New Testament fulfillment. He's our refuge. We don't have cities anymore. We have a person. But we know that these cities were appointed. There were places uh, where people could flee for safety if they were guilty. You know, I'm guilty, and I have a person I can flee to, and that's Jesus, my Savior. And the place is Calvary, but the person is more important. That's Jesus Christ. He's my refuge. I'm guilty. I should die. The wages of sin is death, but I have a refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these cities, if you study cities, and I, I'm going to teach one time all 100 cities of the Bible. That's my plan in the future. On a Wednesday night, we'll go through each city and make an application, and I love doing that. But these cities, if you study them, they were not really great cities by the standard of cities in that day. There were bigger cities, more populated cities, more beautiful cities. But these cities were designed as a refuge where you could flee for safety. They were fortresses. And, you know, today there's religions that are, are much more appealing to the eye than Christianity. I mean, you think of Allah. If you believe in Allah, the lie is that you get a bunch of virgins when you get to heaven. I guess 70. And, uh, you know, you can worship Buddha and you can actually see Buddha. Now, he's not real disciplined in his eating, 
uh, he's a pretty big old boy, but uh, that he was made by hands and he doesn't really even exist. You know, all these beautiful religions that offer so many things, but none can save. There's only one Savior, only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved. That's that name Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name because He's the mediator between God and man. I'm so thankful for my refuge, the Lord Jesus. Second of all, verse 15, and we'll get to the teaching in a moment, but it, he's, it, the cities, excuse me, were accessible. Accessible. Look at verse 15. These six cities should be a refuge for both the children of Israel and for the stranger. That means Gentiles, non-Israelis. And even for those that are just traveling, the sojourner, that if they kill someone, they can flee there. So the refuge was for Jews and Gentiles. It was for children and adults. It was for travelers or people who lived in the area. The, the cities were accessible for everyone. Isn't that great? And you know why? Our refuge, our Lord Jesus, is accessible to everyone. Anyone can flee to Jesus. I'm so glad it wasn't just for Jews. To the Jews first, but now to the Gentiles. And He's my refuge. He saved me. And so none were, none were too far off. The gates were never shut. I, I love Revelation 22. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Come. Whosoever will may come. Jesus said, come unto me. Jesus said in Mark 8, whosoever will, come after me. And then John says, all that the Father give me shall come to me, and him that cometh I will in no wise cast out. The gates of these cities wouldn't be shut. They're open for anyone to enter in. That's just like our, our Lord. Come unto me. He's always open-armed. He's the door, he says. I am the door of the sheepfold. You had to go through him to get into the holy city. And so we see the parallels here. The gates were never shut. And, and, and the cities were never too far off. In fact, if you look at the map and find these cities on an old map, you'll find that no matter where you were in the Holy Land, you were no more than 25 miles from one of these cities. 25 miles. So no matter where you were, if you killed someone by accident, or even on purpose, you had to flee to that city to, to escape the family member or whoever was going to come and kill you, avenge you. you. You would flee, and you only had to go 25 miles. They were strategically strategically located. And we said earlier the gates were never shut. They actually smoothed the roads. Some of the roads were 48 feet wide for caravans and chariots and all that. They would make sure the, the there were bridges to cover the uh, streams and and the ground, the, the bumps and anything that would cause you to stumble was removed. What a type. What a type. Do you know our church should be a refuge place and we should remove anything that would cause someone to stumble in coming to Christ. That, that means we should, re if, if, if you're grumpy and grouchy, you, you might be a problem hindering somebody coming to know the Lord. If you're a gossip, or a troublemaker. Don't hinder people from coming to Jesus. This had, and I, that's, that's one thing. I want to stop and say this. I love being here because we have unity. It's a wonderful place to come. It really is. I look forward to being here with you every Sunday. And I study and I prepare and I pray and I pray that, that this will be a great Lord's Day. But for future potential problems, we, we give a warning. Do not hinder God's work. Do not hinder it by having to have your own way. 
uh, by, by having to say what you need to say, by jumping on people or saying something ugly or critical or attacking another church member. We don't have that going on, but we don't want it going on. We, we want the way to be clear, to, to, to anchor hope, and for people to come to know Jesus without hindrance, without hindrance. And so here we had all these obstacles removed, and it was accessible to everyone. And I love that. Now, for a few moments, we're going over to Joshua chapter 20. This is where you want to get your ink pen out. I know some of you like the more in-depth stuff, and so we'll give you a little of that right now. Joshua chapter 20. Joshua 20 and verses 5, 7, and 8. In Joshua 20, verse 5, I'll read while you're turning. If the avenger of blood pursue after him, then he shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittily and hated him not before him. So if there's an accidental killing, there's a city of refuge. And Moses said God would appoint cities, and now Joshua appoints these, and he names the six cities here in verses 7 and 8. Notice this is in the appointed Kadesh in Galilee on Mount Naphtali. That's where the tribe of Naphtali settled. And Shechem in Mount Ephraim. And Kirjatharbah, which is in Hebron in the Mount of Judah. So these three are in Canaan. Then there's three on the outside in the plains of Jordan we'll talk about in a moment. But what I've done is just kind of put together something to help you remember these cities. Because all of them have a meaning. Did you know that every name of a city or a person in the Bible has a meaning? I mean, when you look them up in your Strong's Concordance, which is a simple thing you could get, or a more exhaustive thing, I have libraries full of books that help me study meanings like this. They all have a meaning. For instance, the word Kadesh, the first one, means righteous. That's what the word Kadesh means. And so we'll look at these for a moment. But what I've done is just sort of came up with sort of a way that might help you remember these. I've given them all a name that would line up with some sort of ship, the ships that sail. And the first one is sonship. We'll explain in a moment. The next one we'll look at is discipleship. And we'll look at fellowship. So you can write these down as you learn these this morning. First of all, Kadesh. Kadesh was the home of Barak. Remember, uh, Deborah had a military commander named Barak. And it was an elevated city. Today, there's a tell. What is a tell, Pastor? It's a mound where they find a lot of archaeological things underneath it. Cities were built upon cities, and they dig down to find old cities. And that's what's there today. People go there and study there. But we find that Kadesh means righteous. Cadus means righteous. Think of Isaiah 64, 6. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And that, that, that word filthy rags is applied to some pretty, that Hebrew word is applied to some pretty disgusting stuff in the Old Testament. I've shared that with you already. We don't need to go back there. But that's what our righteousness is to God. Filthy rags. And so we need to have the righteousness of Christ. And Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Christ, unto and upon all them that believe. Did you know that because I put my faith in Christ, my sin went on Him, and His righteousness came on me? Isn't that great? I'm righteous because of what He did. My, my righteousness is nothing but filth. But His righteousness is wonderful. Romans 5.19 says, By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by one man's obedience, one, many shall be made righteous. Excuse me, many shall be made righteous. Isn't that great? 1 Corinthians 1.30, We're in Christ Jesus who made us righteous. 
First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.21, for He had made Him to be sin for us. But then it goes on to say that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So righteousness, that's our first ship. And if you haven't experienced His righteousness, if you haven't been born again, you're going to go to hell. That's what the Bible says. And God's Word never lies. And so we have to have the first ship in our lives as sonship. We need to be children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And His righteousness, as Kadesh means righteous, is applied to our life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The second important ship in your life is discipleship. And the second city we look at as a word is Shechem. Shechem is an interesting word. It means shoulder or strength to lean on. You think of a shoulder. The shoulder is always symbolic of strength. Shechem was an interesting place. Abraham built his first altar there. This is where Joshua preached his last sermon to the people. This is where Jacob wept when he found out Joseph had supposedly been killed. And so it's a great Bible place. Today, there's seven or 800 Christians there, Greek Orthodox people. Uh, there's a couple hundred Samaritans there today. But you think about the shoulder. We, we said discipleship. It's so important when you are a Christian or become a Christian that you have someone spend time with you discipling you. And everyone in their Christian experience ought to disciple a person and ought to be discipled by someone. You know, I had guys in my life like Bill Kaiser, Campus Crusade guy, who spent time discipling me in Denny's restaurant. I love for to go for discipleship because it was at Denny's. And uh, he would spend time there or the IHOP back in those days. Yes, the IHOP's an old restaurant. And I was a young guy, and I, and I enjoyed going, and he'd buy me some food, and he would teach me things about Scripture. And so he had an impact on my life. And, and so discipleship is very, very important. Think of the shoulders. Remember, Samson carried gates that weighed three tons on his shoulders. What a beast he was. What an amazing, miraculous strength. Think of this, the ephod on the priest's shoulder. The 12 stones all speak of the 12 tribes and speak of authority and strength. Think of this. The Bible said Christ carried the government, carries the government of the world on his shoulders. Do you know he's in control today? Huh? All this election stuff, I'm glad it's over. I can't even watch the news right now. It gets me rattled, rattled and all worked up. So I have to just get back in the word and say, I trust you, God. You're my king. <laughs> You're my leader, and you I have faith, because we need to look at him as the one who carries the government of the world on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. What did the sheep shepherd do when he found the stray sheep? The Bible says in Luke 15, 5, he took that sheep, and where did he put it? On his shoulders. He had two legs in one hand and two of the other, and he'd carry that sheep. You know, discipleship is very important in your life. And it's not only important for you to receive it, but for you to give it. Because new Christians need for someone, they need to be able to lean on someone. They need for someone's strength to help them, to grow strong. The third one is Karjatharba. And that's here in verse uh, 7 again, as I said. Karjatharba. And the word Arba, in fact, one of the giants, the son of Anak named Arba, was named after the city. This place is a, a, a big hill today. It's covered in olive trees. There's a lot of oak trees there. The oaks of Mamre, where a lot of the patriarchs were buried. There's 85% of the city today is Muslim. 
There's a hospice, a Russian hospice there. A lot of history in this place. But Kerjath Arba literally means fellowship. You can look that up later. You can Google it or whatever you want to do. It means fellowship. That's a third ship you need in your life. Right after sonship, you need discipleship and fellowship. And you get that by connecting with a church, having people to talk to during the week to pray with you, people to fellowship. Nothing like food and fellowship. We had in our church in Okinawa, we had a big church, well-organized church, and I didn't do that. I had just great people under me that just did a great job. But when someone got saved, that's not that good grammar. When someone became a Christian, they would come forward and we would assign them to a couple, and a couple would, would with the gift of hospitality, would entertain them in their home and feed them and teach them and go through a book with them. And then we had a, a new converts class. They could go through a book in there, a different book, a teacher. And we made sure they had fellowship. We connected them with people because fellowship's very important. You know, no man's an island. You can't live in Christ all by yourself, not connecting with other people. We need other people. We need accountability. I, I, was, I spent time and talked with on the phone pastors this week. And they called me, and one called me for lunch, and another one called me, and we talked, and another one I called him because I knew he was struggling and encouraged him. I need that. They needed that. We need one another. That's why church and unity is vitally important. So fellowship is a great ship, and that's what Kerjothraba means. And we know in First John, our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we walk in the light, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. You can't fellowship with a believer who walks disorderly. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that. You can't fellowship with a lost person. You can reach out to them and be a friend to them like Jesus, but you can't. You have to fellowship. You need other Christians who walk in the light to fellowship with. So another important ship. The fourth ship we have here is Bezer. Verse 8 is Bezer on the other side of Jordan. And Bezer is a word that means strong or fortress. You know, we all need to be stronger. You know what Philipp- uh, Excuse me. Ephesians 2.10 says? We are His workmanship. We're His workmanship. We need to be strong. We need, sometimes we need the meat of the Word. We need to mark our Bibles and learn and grow. We need to be encouraged and motivated and challenged and stirred, but we also need to think, and sometimes we need to meet, we need to grow and mark our Bibles. But all of us need to be strong. The word workmanship in Ephesians is a Greek word, poema, our word poem. Now, why would Scripture say that we are his poem, his workmanship? Well, think about this. I've read a lot about that, and the the greatest comment I found on that is that when our life is in the will of the Lord and we're living for him, our life makes sense and it rhymes. You know, it just seems that you, you are aware. When you're, let me just say it the other way. When you're not right with God, everything's a mess in your life. You don't have any peace. You don't have any joy. Things don't make sense. You're frustrated. What's God doing? But when you're walking with God and a trial comes your way, you can be like Job and say, I'm not going to get mad at God. God's in control. I understand. He's got something going. I don't know what it is. But I want my life to rhyme. I want it to make sense. And so I want to stay in tune with God and and be His workmanship. It's an interesting thing, but in Scripture, I love the verse 
Proverbs 18.10. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Isn't that great? God's our strength. Think of the word El in the Bible. Elohim, El Shaddai, and you know the words. The word El means strong one. A lot of people's names have L at the end. Daniel, the last two words, L, that's my name. God is my judge. L speaks of God and God's strength. Think of Samuel, Bethel, Israel. So it's so important for us to be his workmanship, to be strong in God. And I, I love, I, I already told you I love that song, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. But Psalm 61, 3 says, For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I love that. Then next, we have Ramoth. Next one, Ramoth. And right next to that, worship. The word Ramoth means to be exalted. To be exalted. Isn't that interesting? To be, to, to, to be lifted up. Do you know what our job is? To lift up Jesus. Can you say hallelujah today? You know what that means? Hallelujah means praise the Lord. What's the Lord's name? Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Amen? And, and, and we need to worship Him. This, this, not much is known of this area today. It was in Issachar territory. But the word means to be exalted. I like, I like the psalmist. Psalm one thirty, uh, Psalm uh, ninety six eight. Give the Lord glory to His name. Praise the Lord today. Give Him glory to His name. God has also highly exalted Him. Talking about Jesus, God has lifted Jesus up, and the Bible says we're supposed to lift Him up. And if we do, He'll draw men to Himself. Lift Him up. Then uh, Ephesians two six says. We sit in heavenly places. And later it says, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Our job is to worship. This requires actual work on our part. When you come to church, you are coming to worship Him. In our giving, it's worship. In our singing, everyone should sing. Everyone should sing. It's a chance to worship God. I don't sing because I carry a tune. I don't. I sing because the Bible says to sing. And I praise the Lord because the Bible says to. I don't always feel like it. Well, if you had a bad day, who who wants to praise the Lord when you've had a bad day? But we are supposed to lift Him up. We're supposed to worship Him. And then finally, the sixth city, and we'll go back in a moment to Numbers, is Golan. And I call this relationship relationship, another important ship. We are in Christ. Did you know that? You're in Him. He's in you and you're in Him, the hope of glory. You're in Christ. The Bible tells us that Golan means to be encircled or compassed about. You know what Scripture says? Scripture says in Psalm 139, He compasseth all about my path. Mercy shall compass him about, Psalm 32. I love Job 1.10. Satan came to God and said, how can I touch Job? You've got a hedge of protection around him. You see, Job was in Christ. He didn't know his name was Jesus, but he knew there was a Messiah. He knew there was a Lord, a Yahweh. He wasn't named until he was born, but Job had faith in the Lord, and he was protected. And I love when you read about the Syrian army, and Elijah says, it's for the boy's eyes to be open. He opens his eyes, and what does he see? These chariots and these angelic forces all around them. 
Do you know our relationship? We're in Christ. We're in Christ. This city was destroyed by Alexander the Great. But, but we know that the idea of a relationship still exists. Folks, you're in Christ and you need to be sure that you have a relationship established in Him. All right? Not just when you want Him for convenience sake, but you need to learn to depend on Him every day. I need thee every hour. I need Him every moment of my day. The deacon said some sweet things to me today and I appreciated that. But I'm just a rotten sinner saved by grace, okay? You know, and, and, and I, I hope I don't ever disappoint you. But just remember, when I'm up here preaching, I'm just a man. Just like you, I battle the same things you battle. I, get, I struggle, I get discouraged. Sometimes I don't understand. But I'm in Christ. And He's in me. The hope of glory. He's never going to leave me. And I, I, my relationship is with Him. Back, if you will, to Numbers. You know what those words mean now, those six cities? Back to Numbers, chapter uh, 35. And we're going to look at verse 25. And we want to mention, we've already said they're appointed, they're accessible, and then they're adequate. Notice verse 25. says, And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled. And he shall abide into it until the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come out of the border of the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and it goes on to say the avenger can kill him. So he was safe in that city. Did you know you're safe in Christ? Did you know that? You're worried about something now, maybe. You don't have to worry about it. You're in Christ. And you're safe, and we know that he's adequate. I love 2 Corinthians 3 5. I've read enough books on self, on sufficiency and feeling good about myself and all that. But you know what Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. A lot of books today, self-help books, how you can look within yourself and find the answers. No, this is here. We're not sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. You want to feel better about yourself? You want to feel better about yourself? It's all how you walk with God. It's all about that relationship. You see, when my sin is confessed, which sometimes takes some doing, (laughs) because sometimes I don't want to admit I'm wrong. It's the other guy's fault, you know? But I didn't do anything wrong. And the Holy Spirit will say, but... Well, yeah, but that person... Did. And the Holy Spirit said, well... He, he doesn't say much. He speaks in that still, small voice. Sometimes I think, oh, please leave me alone, Lord. He's not going to leave you alone. So I have to come to a place in my life where I admit I was wrong. And that's step number one. As I've matured in Christ, it's become easier. But there's been times I haven't wanted to admit I was wrong. You know, It's all the other people in my life that cause the problems. Oh, no. Old Dan Mao is a big problem, let me tell you. And new and old Dan have quite a battle. You know, I uh, thought this morning I'd make myself some French toast. I got up real early, 6.30 or so, and I made the French, and I put the syrup on it. And then I came in, and terrible old Frank back there bought donuts. And they were calling my name. I promised I heard, Dan, Dan, 
but I didn't do it. So for a brief moment in my life, I had victory. Maybe I'll sneak back there after church and get one. No, I'm just kidding. The point is, the biggest problem I have is with me. And admitting my wrong is a challenge. But once I confess it and say, oh, that person's right. I'm an idiot. I did the wrong thing. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, things are better. I feel so much better. It's just so wonderful that Christ is adequate. And here, this was only, this city was only a refuge place until the high priest died. And now you've got to mark verse 31. This is important that you get this. This is where we're going to conclude. But look at verse 31. You see the word satisfaction? Right, right below that ransom. Ransom. This is a Hebrew word that is translated most often in your Bible, ransom. In fact, I'll show you. Look at Exodus chapter 30, verse 12. Exodus 30, verse 12. Exodus 30, verse 12 says this. This they shall give everyone that passeth among them that are numbered. Verse 12, I'm reading verse 13. Boy, my eyes are doing good. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man what? A ransom for his soul. That's the same Hebrew word. Translated back in our text, Ransom. So you can write ransom here and you can write see Exodus 30, 12 if you want. Study that later. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance. Some of you say, what is a Strong's Concordance? Well, anybody who studies the Bible and definitely knows what that is, it tells you the word meanings and so forth. It's a simple thing for the young Christian. But anyway, here he says, here he says, moreover, you shall take no ransom for the life of a murderer. Wow, that's kind of hopeless, isn't it? And I understand capital punishment, but let's make a spiritual application because remember, we're talking about Christ, Jesus. That He's our refuge. But you know what He did? He paid a ransom for my soul. No matter what I've done, He's the great high priest that ever liveth to make intercession for me. No matter what I've done, it's taken care of because He's a ransom for my soul. I was without hope. As a young kid, I knew I had sin problems. I was just a young kid. But when I learned that there's a ransom for my soul, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I know He's paid my ransom. He's paid my ransom. I don't have to fear eternal death. I don't even have to fear physical death because the Bible said I'll pass from death unto life. I'll die. It'll be like falling asleep. And if you're a believer and you're in Christ, He's paid a ransom for your soul. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the unknown. You don't have to fear anything because when you die, you're going to just like fall asleep and wake up with the Lord forever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's my refuge. He's my refuge. Isn't it great to know they had cities, but we have Him. Let me quote a few verses or read portions of verses. The Lord, excuse me, the God of my rock, in Him will I trust. He's my shield and my refuge, Samuel 22.3. Moses said in, in Deuteronomy 33, God is my refuge. He said in Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. 
David said, that was Moses, David said, I will sing of his power, I will sing of his mercy, for thou hast been my refuge. David later said, I cried unto the Lord, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge. Isaiah said, for thou hast been a refuge from the storm. Jeremiah said, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge. God is my refuge. In Jesus Christ is my hope. I fled to him and he paid my ransom and I'm free from sin. I sin because I want to, but it doesn't have control of me anymore. And one day the presence of sin will be gone. Thank God the penalty's gone, but the presence one day of sin will be gone because God ransomed my soul. Thank God for Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you. As Sister Joy plays an invitation hymn, Lord, we... We thank you today. We praise you for being a refuge in the time of storm. And no matter what happens, if our apartment burns down, you're a refuge. If our kids are in trouble, our marriage is in trouble, you're a refuge. We flee to you, God, to your son Jesus who paid the ransom for our soul. We thank you for our refuge, for the ransom being paid. And we ask you to bless now for all of us to look to you as you have provided. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Stand and just pray silently as we...